Today on your Novell Open Audio, we take you into the secret labs of the Novell Authorized Beta Tester Program with Beverly Brown. We also have news from support with Dave Mayer and a quick update on what's going on around the Novell community. It's all coming at you right now on Novell Open Audio, so let's go. Welcome to Novell Open Audio, the podcast that connects the Novell user community with what's going on inside and around the Novell universe. I'm your host, Ted Hager, and we've got the beta program coverage happening today. We've got news from support, but we're going to kick things off today with a little bit of news from around the Novell community. We've had a few things going on lately. First of all, the Triangle Novell Users Group out of Raleigh, North Carolina, and you can find their website at www.trianglenug.org. They're now doing some of their presentations from their user groups online as videos or vodcasts, if you will. So they're fed out there by RSS. The group's fearless leader and active Novell Open Audio listener, John Strickland, he reports that they right now have M4A audio and video online of their presentations. They're working on getting OGG. The uh, group brings in a lot of great speakers from outside of their organization to actually present to them. So these aren't just like a bunch of people sitting around talking their tech. It's actually subject worthies of uh, video. So what you'll find uh, is one of their latest ones is Robin L. Griffin talking about victimization of children on the Internet and how parents can actually prevent that. So some very good and relevant content that these guys are actually kicking out there. Plus they're doing Novell technology demos and things like that in some of their vodka. They've also got the Banshee man himself, Aaron Bachover, coming into their uh, meeting in July, on July, I think it's the 25th of July, and Aaron Bachover is going to give them the full tour of SUSE Linux Enterprise Desktop 10, as well as I, I'm going to guess he's possibly going to show a little bit of Banshee there. One of the guys who's a frequent contributor to Cool Solutions, a guy named Scott Morris, uh, I recently got a chance to catch up with him about his online guide about setting up XGL. We spoke to him because there was an interesting thing that happened with his online guide about using XGL on SUSE Linux 10.1. Let's find out what that's all about. Scott, how are you? Very good, Ted. about yourself? All right. So you put the article up. How popular was it when it first went up? It was very popular. A lot of people had a lot of great comments about it. They were really excited about the XGL. Dig.com, you got Doug, right? Yeah, so, plenty so of times. Tons of people hit you on that. Matter and of fact, when it was released, when 10.1 was released officially, it got recycled through the, the Dig system there. So that was cool. Awesome. Right after that happened, you got this internal request. What happened there? Some of the folks at Novell contacted me and said, hey, this is blowing up user systems. Uh, get it out of there. And so I'm like, okay, well, you know, I'd be glad to do that. I took it down with a little notice saying, all right, we'll, we'll fix it. The very next hour, I had 10 messages in my inbox saying, where did that go? So excited about it. They wanted to have... So you had to put it back up. Yeah. With a disclaimer. Yeah, I put it back up so that people could have it. And your article right now says just the NVIDIA side, but the ATI side, uh, somebody can actually go to OpenSUSE's wiki and get uh, ATI working as well. So cool. Thanks for giving that great contribution out there. You have a pretty popular blog about SUSE as well, right? What, what Can you give us the URL for that? I do. That's www.suzablog.com. Suzablog.com. Yep. And you registered that yourself? Yep. You're the guy that won that... Nice. <laughs> yeah. Sweet. I score big time on that domain. Awesome. Our third item here is from Brandon Fouts of the Puget Sound Novell Users Group in the Seattle area. 
And Brandon sent us an article, actually, about something happening on the opposite side of the United States in New Hampshire. One Tim Wessels, who has recently set James E. Gaskin from Network World Straight on a few of his uh, his experiences with Novell and selling Novell software recently. It's a good article, a good read-through about some of the shifts and changes that Tim has gone through with Novell and is now finding are actually helping open up business for him. So we say a thanks to Brandon about that. It was good to see Brandon at the Linux Fest Northwest recently. And we also want to say a big thanks to Tim Wessels for uh, sticking uh, sticking on the case with Network World and getting the story straight for us. Thanks a lot, Tim. And give us a call at some point. We may have something for you here at the Noel Open Audio Studio. Last and final item is a big shout-out to Norm O'Neill in Indianapolis, who recently fired up a brand-new Novell users group in his area. Newy director Brent Sharp and I got to go out and present at their inaugural meeting, which had over 40 people in attendance. So congratulations, Norm. Thanks for having us out there. Thanks for letting me show off SUSE Linux Enterprise Desktop 10. And we at Novell Open Audio, we salute you. Aha! That can only mean one thing. The bagpipes have come. It must be time for Dave Mayer. Dave, hello, welcome back. Hello. It's good to be back. Thank you. How are you? I'm all right. And it's news from support. That's what we're about to do here. And uh, who do you got with you today? Well, the gentleman who has the next office to me, Randy Goddard, is with me. And uh, Randy, as I say, has the next office to mine. And he has a really nice sub base system in his office. So Randy and I, um, we're, we're adjacent. No so, question. While you have your bagpipes going, Randy's got like the beat going for you underneath. It's just destroying it for you. A little yeah, trance music. A little, you know, a little yeah. trance. You know, some house. <laughs> <laughs> so meet Randy. Randy's some, got some great information, and he's going to be joining us more often. And he's got a great little thing that he's been working on that uh, I think we could benefit from hearing. So what's new in support? Let's go for it. Let's hear, let's hear what's going on. It's a little tidbit of a new and exciting Service called DRBD. Derbida. Derbida. Dr. Board, maybe? D- DRBD. DRBD. Delta. Romeo. Bravo. Delta. And what, it, what, what is it? It's a distributed replicated block device. It's replicating an entire block device, such as a hard disk, from one machine to another via a dedicated network connection. Okay, and a block device, in this case, we're talking about a drive. Hard drive. Hard drive. Mm-hmm. And just doing a dedicated, did you say network connection? Between? Dedicated network connection. How's this different from iSCSI? Well, the uh, DRBD website, I think, describes it succinctly as RAID 1 over the network. RAID 1 over the network. Mm-hmm. iSCSI is more you're attaching to a device and using that device for storage. DRBD is you have a local device, local to one machine, that you need to replicate or sync or for backup reasons you want it or for disaster recovery. You want that synced elsewhere. Okay, so this is a great technology to run over token ring or ArcNet or something like that. Oh, yeah, some thick net, a little thick net. Yeah, oh, that would work great. Some chicken wire, some Bailey wire duct tape. Yeah, so, of course, the great thing about RAID 1 is that you get a disk failure, you're still okay, but your server blows up. It's bad luck. RAID 1 didn't help you. RAID 1 over the network, 
solves that problem. Oh, right, right. So yeah. what do you have to have on both ends? What, 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 is, what is it that you actually have to have on both ends of the uh, connection here? Usually it's uh, like, let me give you a real-world example. Um, a customer using uh, RAID 5 underneath, RAID 1 on top, I mean, just total data redundancy here, and they need to have a backup of that database, which is running in RAID 1. So what they do is it's called a split mirror backup. They actually break the mirror, the RAID 1, and then using DRBD, they back up that offline uh, database over to another machine at another location for off-site disaster recovery. So a practical example of this, could you do something like a group-wise database or an e-directory database, a flame database? One of Whatever you want. It's just it the the data is irrelevant because it's done block by block. Okay. So it's not an actual data backup. It's it's a block by block backup. And what's more is once the data is backed up from one site to another, with the later versions of DRBD, it's smart enough and intelligent enough only to to copy over the deltas on the next resync. Okay, how are we going to get more information on this? If people are, if, if this tickles people's fancy and they want to find out more information, how they can get at this, and is it an open source project? That's what Tell I was wondering. Is this free open source? It is. It is. There, there are two actual sources that, that um, I got most of my information from. The, the best, of course, is drbd.org. Okay. That's the open source DRBD website. We can link to that from the show? Yes, absolutely. And as well as that, the... Uh, High availability website at ha excuse me linux haorg slash drbd. That's ha linux excuse. Nope. Yeah, exactly. The excuse me fits in there just right. Can you spell that? For our listeners, we will get that linked off of the website, so you don't have to write this down furiously, especially if you're driving down the road. I actually had our friend James Jonatakis out of Idaho. Uh, called me the other day on the phone and say that we nearly killed him because he almost drove off the road from our discussion with Jeremy Allison. So must have uh, been a good we, one. We have to be careful and keep the show from having any um, any things that may. Should we mention bloggers? Drive time. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> what else we got today? So since we uh, spent a bit of time with Randy there, I'm going to go quickly through the bunch of uh, uh, tids that I took a look at today. There are some pretty ludicrous ones, uh, but the the more the more productive ones, does the desk volume variable support NSS volumes for uh, Zenworks server management uh, tiered electronic distribution? The answer is no. Uh, NSS volumes are not currently supported, and that has been reported to engineering, so hopefully we'll get that one fixed. Can you deploy SUSE Linux Enterprise Server support packs using ZLM? Again, That's Zenworks Linux management? Yep. Uh, sorry about that. Yep. Zenworks uh, 7 Linux management, and uh, that's been reported to Engineering 2, so currently you can't do that. Uh, so, since we're left with what do I do with support packs, there was a TID produced in the last week saying where you can download uh, support pack ISOs for SUSE Linux Enterprise Server, and we'll include that along with uh, the website for the blog. Uh, not the blog, forgive me, the uh, podcast. So, the three silly ones. Not entirely silly, but, you know... One of them is crazy, but increasing the number of Telnet sessions. What are you doing using Telnet? Well, if you absolutely insist, Telnet is uh, accessed via XINET-D by default, which is um, the INET daemon, the, an IP connection daemon. Uh, 
it allows you to start a process after a connection, so it manages all of the connections for you. And that's on a Linux box we're talking about yeah, here, right? Yeah, that's right. And the default configuration for Telnet has a limit on the number of instances it will support. So you can increase that to a higher number if you want. But start SSHD. Make those Telnet sessions secure. Either um, that or tell me when you're using it, and I'll just, uh, yes. just, I'll just sit on your wire and gather passwords <laughs> how, how as they cross. How flawed is that? Well, how, how bad is Telnet? It's wide open. Com- clear text. It's yeah, clear it's, text. It's, just, it's clear text. Yeah. It just goes right across the wire, right? Yeah. So, so anybody, anybody with a, just like whatever like simple packet sniffer that they might oh, have, yeah. they, they switch networking kind of means you you may not see it, but to be honest, it's it, if you'd have to have a very good using reason for using Telnet rather than SSHD these days. SSHD is, uh, or SSH, is encrypted uh, from end to end. And it has a whole lot of other really nice features, um, like tunneling, uh, IP tunneling. So I, wouldn't, I, I would not recommend anyone use Telnet for anything, although there are some older applications, particularly mainframe applications, that will only work with Telnet. So it's not so much that you're going to call people's attention to the TID. The TID is more to call people's attention to the fact that yeah. this is a Dave Mayer advisory. Don't use <laughs> Telnet. Use SSH. you got to do it. you got to do it. And uh, this one, error minus 634 when launching console one on Linux. I read it and thought, scratch out the minus 634, error when launching console 1 on Linux. Console 1 is pretty dated. iManager is there for uh, management on Linux. There will be some things that only console 1 will do, but there is a TID on uh, resolving problems that uh, this error 634 when launching console 1 on Linux. But as I say, uh, I'd recommend you move to more modern management tools, such as uh, iManager. Now... Tid of the year, no question in my mind. Um, how to bold text. <laughs> Situation, how to bold text. Resolution, control B. This, this is in our knowledge base? <laughs> yes, status, reported to engineering, top issue. <laughs> okay, let me explain where this comes from. It's got to be the most beautiful tid I've ever seen. But um, we do training. Uh, with the, the live TID system, it's perfectly safe, perfectly fine. These things come in and out occasionally. And obviously, when we're doing these trading things, that we, um, we write sensible, um, we, we write polite, uh, we write politely, but we do write funny ones. So I found this this morning, uh, TID dated uh, June 2nd. So it's been in there for a few days. Please go have a search for how to bold text and see Novell's tit of the year. Control B, don't forget it. I am a network administrator. <laughs> Is it all an italicized text in the, in the tit? No, funnily enough, it's bold. <laughs> what else we got, guys? That's it. That's all I had for That's this That's our week. whole list yep. for this time? All right. Yep. Well, thanks again. Uh, thanks for bringing in Randy Goddard here. And Randy, thanks for joining us. And Thank you. Dave, once again, thanks for your time in here. It was my pleasure. Thank you. And for our feature item today, we bring you Beverly Brown from the Novell Beta Program. I should call it the Novell Authorized Beta Program. And we kept Dave in the studio for this one because we found that working with a co-interviewer sometimes helps us out. So Dave and I are going to co-interview Beverly Brown. Let's check it out.
All right, joining us in the studio today is Beverly Brown from the Novell Authorized Beta Program, and we're going to discuss a little bit about what the beta program is all about. Joining me also here to help wrestle the answers out of uh, Beverly is Dave Mayer from our News from Support segment. Howdy. Dave, Dave, thanks for joining, and Beverly, welcome to the studio. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. Why don't we start this off by just having you give us the quick overview of how the Novell Beta Program works. What's it all about? Okay. Well, first of all, I'd like to point out that you mentioned a key word here, which is that word authorized, because the authorized beta is probably the beta that I'd like to talk about most today. But we do have other types of betas, and um, we have a public beta, and we have an authorized extended beta, and then we have the authorized beta. A public beta is probably the one that most people are familiar with, and that's where the code is almost ready to be released, and anybody can look at it. Anybody who goes out to the website can download it, test it, do whatever they want with it. There is usually a feedback mechanism, but we don't usually provide any technical support or anything with that. Is that usually something like Bugzilla or something like that, where people get the feedback back, or is it just an email address? It could be any number of, of those options. You're right. It can just be a... a kind of dependent on the beta program, then, or correct. whichever pro- product it is that's being beta. Correct. Right. Which is a good thing to point out, too. Each product we kind of treat as its own little baby. So you might see little differences between the beta program depending on what the product is. Some of them like to do things in a bigger and better way, and others are, are just very simple and, and short. So you, you will see some differences in how some of the betas are run because each product gets to decide exactly what kind of things they want to do with their beta. So, so it's the products that are really driving the format at the product owners, product managers, who are driving the format and uh, the, the process for getting something back from the beta. Yeah, to a certain extent. We do have systems set up that we encourage um, the teams to use, but each product team pretty much drives that, and that's correct. Mm-hmm. But usually when a software company does the public beta, that's pretty far down the line where the product's mostly done at that point, and the amount of influence that necessarily can be constrained on the product and the amount of feedback that's on it that's going to not necessarily make uh, any massive kind of changes to the product's direction, right? That's correct. Which is why we said authorized beta, I think, a moment ago. That's correct. And I kind of refer to a public beta as a marketing beta. It's more to get the word out and let everybody take a look at it, kind of get a preview. The authorized beta is a much more detailed, handheld type program. And so we're very focused on the people that want to participate in an authorized beta. And we get to know and understand you a lot better and, and form more of a personal relationship during that program. So there's more requirements on participating in an authorized beta, and there's more of a time commitment and that sort of a thing. So maybe tell us a little bit about that. How does it, For the authorized beta, since that starts long before any public beta would come out, if a public beta comes out, how do, people, how do you get people for that? How do you choose the right people for the beta program? So there's two tools that, that will be your best friend. One is www.novell.com slash beta. Everything you want to know and and learn about the beta, the authorized beta, is on that website. And then at Novell, we have two beta managers, myself, Beverly Brown, and Allison Tate. And our contact information is on that website, and you're welcome to contact either one of us at any time if you have any questions about what's coming up, what beta you want to participate in, and that sort of thing. Um, but basically... Most of our products will have an authorized beta before it's released. And it will vary depending on how big the product is. Some of our Netware, OES, Zenworks betas will run maybe up to a year. 
which is a huge a huge commitment. Oh yeah. Some of the smaller ones will run maybe six weeks to two months. Mm. So all of those all of those requirements will be outlined when we're soliciting customers, but that will be all over the board on on your commitment level. So um, if you go out to our website, you can register. You'll see a list of our products. You can register for those products. And unfortunately, a lot of people seem to think that when they register, that means they automatically have that product and that beta code. So they get upset with this when they don't all of a sudden see access to it. But basically what that means is you are registering to be notified. So when that product is ready to go to beta, Allison or I will notify you, hey, this product's ready to go to beta. We're looking for beta sites. If you're interested, we want to know more about you, what your commitment level is, what your test environment is, and that sort of thing. And then um, we will do a selection selection process from there. Okay. And once once a person gets in, what kind of commitment is that? Because when it's a year long, and Dave went, ooh, right there when, when you heard that. <laughs> um, what what kind of commitment do people have to do? How often are they responding back? What are the mechanisms usually? How's, how, how does that work in a typical thing? So the basic requirements that we ask up front are that you commit a minimum of five to ten hours a week to testing the code. We obviously don't make you... So how much? Five to ten hours a week. Okay. <laughs> so we obviously don't monitor your time. We don't make you punch in a time card or report your hours or anything like that. So, you know, it's not like we're going to micromanage you or anything. But kind of the way we gauge how much you're investing in that is by the feedback that you give us. And that's the whole purpose of this authorized beta program is to get feedback from you, what you're seeing, what you're testing, how you're using it. And we have multiple methods set up on how you can give us that feedback. But that's what determines whether you were a good beta site for us or not and whether we'll let you be a beta site again on All another right. product or the same product. i got to be cynical about that. <laughs> okay. All you're doing is getting me to do your testing for you. That's correct. <laughs> That's correct. <laughs> so what am I getting out of it? <laughs> what, what am I getting out of it in return? We, we are looking for you to test our product in an environment that we don't have at Novell. So basically, we've done all the testing that we can here at Novell. Now, we want some customers to test it in their environment and do their thing so that we can make sure we're releasing a better product for you. So, yeah, what do you benefit from it? Why, why do you want to commit those hours to testing our product for us so that we can get your feedback? I think Dave asked you first. <laughs> oh, I have to answer that. Yeah. Okay, because Dave doesn't know, does he? Obviously. <laughs> so we've kind of come up with a general, you know, list of here's what the benefits are to you, and it's going to be, it's going to be what you make out of it. Basically, I tell people some people will benefit more so than others, depending on what they do. But you'll get early access to the code. You'll get free technical support throughout the duration of the beta. You will get. For the product that's being beta. For this right? product, right. Okay. For the beta product. You'll have free um, technical support. You will be able to influence how that final code looks when it's released. If there are certain enhancements, certain features, certain bugs that you feel are very important to be included in that product or in, in a future release of that product, all of that is um, is looked at and we, we keep track of that information. So you get to shape what the bug fix looks like in use. So if you find a thing that can't be configured, you get to influence how it ends up being configured. That's correct. Suits your environment. That's correct. And depending on the product and at what point the product is at when it's in beta, some some products go to beta and they're code complete and feature complete. So there's probably very little time to add a new feature, but they could do a lot of bug fixes. Some products um, aren't not 
feature complete. So they do have some time to maybe add some new features or, or, or whatever. So it will vary from product to product, but you do have that ability to influence what that product looks like. How do you get any feedback on, you know, you submit a hundred bugs, you find a lot of great things that you think need to be fixed. How do you get any feedback that, that those things are being done? So you're asking what? <clears throat> yeah, like on Tuesday, feedback. like say there's a beta call on Tuesday or something, and I let somebody let the engineering guys because I assume I'm in direct conversation with them if I'm on a beta call. Um, What's a beta I let call? them I let them know that uh, that there's this bug or I put it in Bugzilla or whatever. How do I how do I end up knowing that they've actually addressed it? Like it's been taken seriously if I'm in the program. So we have methods and systems set up when we run a beta, and one of them is um, through technical support, which is the way you should report your bug. Now, you mentioned a beta call. So some of the products will have what we call a conference call, and they might have it every week, every other week, however they want to have it. And on that conference call is normally a huge representation from Novell. There's usually product management, marketing, documentation, testing, engineering, um, system test that are represented on that call. So you can you can participate on that call, give them your feedback. They can answer you sometimes directly right then and there and say, that's a great idea. We'll follow up on that. Or they'll say, we already know about that. That's on our list. You know, it's just kind of a way for you to get some immediate instant feedback right there. If you log your enhancement request as a service request through technical support, then they will communicate back with you on um, if a defect was logged, what that defect number is, and then you can follow that and track it and see when it's scheduled to be included in the product, if or if not. So there are systems set up for you to be able to track what the information, the feedback that you've given us. So it's not an open loop. It's it, it, There is a closed loop to it then through the support cycle is the main way. That's correct. And okay. that's that's where I work. That's what I do every day. So I see that process every day. I, I can assure you that uh, someone's beating on my door if I don't get those things okay. progressed. <laughs> that's good where, to know. Where'd the cynical Dave go? <laughs> <laughs> Which side are you on here? <laughs> that's good to know. It's not a dark hole. <laughs> uh, so, I mean, getting back onto the cynical then, do they work? Do beta programs actually achieve anything? I think beta programs achieve things that we don't even realize they achieve. I think I think the program in itself works for the main goal, which is to make sure we're releasing a better product to the customer and that it has less bugs and that it works in different environments. And I do think that works. I think the other thing that works is it helps establish a rapport with people. There are internal people here at Novell that get to know and understand people who are using our products. And um, I think that's maybe a side benefit. Um, I think products that release without going through a beta cycle or maybe have a beta cycle that's not very successful, meaning they don't get a lot of feedback from the people who are testing, I think you see a difference in the product. I think it suffers. On that, then, uh, another one that comes up in my mind uh, that I hadn't thought of previously, but something just triggered it. You know, we at Novell live in this strange world of a partially open source. We've got platforms like Linux. We've got projects like Hula and things like that. We've got also traditional products that have been at Novell for a long time and came out of proprietary world. And it seems like the open source side of things, there are uh, usually a lot of cultural mechanisms already in the open source world like the existence of Bugzilla, like the fact that the code is being released usually in shorter-term drops. So is, is, there much, is there, for you, running beta programs, much of a difference between 
an open source project and an, and a proprietary product that Novell may still have, like a difference between maybe re- releasing a SUSE Linux platform versus a Netware platform or anything like that? So that's a good question. Thank you. Um, <laughs> you're welcome. Most the authorized beta program is geared more towards products that are not open source. It's more of a controlled um, environment. Everyone that has access to the code is under NDA. Um, it's you, you're instructed to test it in a test environment only. An NDA. Let's just clarify real quick. That's non-disclosure agreement. Correct. Right. So you're you're agreeing that you're going to not put this in production. It's going to be in a test environment, and that you're going to give us what what your findings are, but that you're not going to share that with anyone outside of your own organization or anyone that's going to help test it. So we do have products that are more in the open source arena, and and they handle that a little bit differently than we do with our authorized beta program. All right. So I'm I'm giant mega corporation. I'm figuring I'm figuring I'm going to have no trouble getting you to take me seriously as a, a beta customer. What about Little Joe? Oh, this I love this question. This is a great question because... Novell's only interested in their big enterprise customers, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, well, here's the thing. You know, I mentioned earlier, there's two of us. There's two beta managers at Novell, Allison and Bev. And we do not know all of the corporations that are out there in the world. We don't know who the big ones are. We don't know who the little ones are. All we know is an individual name that has applied for a beta. So we have no idea, are you a good guy? Are you a lazy guy? Are you a big guy? You know, Do you have a test environment? Don't you? We are completely in the dark unless you have a history with us. So we do maintain a database of people who have beta tested before, and we keep notes if they were good, if they weren't good, what kind of feedback they gave us. And so um, people who have a history with us, that's easy for us to decide if we take you as a beta site again or not. People who don't have a history with us, it's a little bit more difficult. So that's part of the reason why we ask you to submit a survey when a a product's ready to go to beta so we can get a little bit more information about you. And one of the questions that we always ask is, why, sh- why should we select you? Tell us a little bit about you. Why? What else do we need to know about you? And that, to me, is your key time to just jump and shout and say, hey, I'm the greatest, and I will give you feedback, and I will test, and, you know, so this you, and that. It's, it's you, the person. It's not you, the giantmegacorp.com email address. Correct. Yeah. Correct. It, it's the it's individual. Beverly or Allison. Go Good question for us to wrap up with then. At the end of a beta cycle, when we finally finish a beta program, close up, you know, the, the, the curtain falls for the last time on the beta program, whatever. Is there any kind of thank you thing that happens for that customer besides just a, uh, so this is the last call and thanks everyone, click. Um, <laughs> what, what can a person who gets into the beta program, what can they actually expect? So... Do, we they don't, get, do they get a nicely carved plaque? No. Well, you know, we've seen that happen. Okay. We, don't, we don't normally pay you. We don't, and we've never sent anybody a check. We've never, um, rarely have I seen free software given. There's usually a, what I call a spiff, but a small thank you gift that has get, that is given to those who actively gave us feedback. And that's so, so like if there's a crowd of 20 people you chose and 10 of them were active and the other 10 kind of went AWOL somewhere along the line. The 10 that went AWOL might get a little email that says, thank we're, you. We're done. We're done. <laughs> and the 10 that we did hear from, yeah, we'll, we'll get 
um, a little bit more of a thank you and, and we'll send them a thank you gift. But that's, to me, that's not their reward. To me, the reward to them is what they learned, the technical support that they received on what they learned about the product. And when they buy that product, they are ready to rock and roll. They are ready to run. They can just hit the ground, install it, and go because they already know and understand it. So they're a step ahead of the game. The other thing sometimes that they can benefit from it is if, if they're an active beta site, it can lead to additional support from Novell. Sometimes you'll get a visit from maybe some members of the team because they want to see what you're doing with it. And they know you because they've been talking to you. Um, so it can lead to additional benefits depending on what your needs are. Um, there is one other little side benefit that, that we like to tout too, and that is that every year uh, we select two of our beta sites that have participated on a beta the previous 12 months to come to BrainShare and we pay for their pass and they get to spend some time at the beta booth and and tell other people how wonderful the beta program is and what they've learned from it. So I think you've had, uh, for that. I think you might've had Jason, um, Jason Womack from Kendall Jackson winery out before from that. He's, he actually used to be one of my customers. So yes, Jason's been a great beta site for us. Great. Yeah. Great. All right. Well, thanks very much for coming in and talking to us, Beverly. You're Thank welcome. You. And I'm happy to be here. And I, one last thing I'd like to emphasize if it's okay, is that, um, I'm sorry, we're done. <laughs> no, go ahead. <laughs> okay. No, please proceed. <laughs> okay. um, Did I make um, you forget? To to feel free to contact Allison or, or, or myself if you have any questions. Sometimes people have a tendency to think that they've gone into a dark hole. And some of the smaller products, it's easier to keep a more intimate relationship going. And some of the bigger projects projects that's harder to do so i just want to say that that door's open if you ever want to just email us directly and say what's happening with this product or whatever we are very open to that very open to knowing who you are because like i said sometimes it's very difficult to know who to select as a beta site and who's really committed to giving us the feedback and one thing that saddens me is when i hear a customer say oh i've applied for your beta product for the last three years and i never get chosen and i don't want you to walk away from that if if you feel that way feel free to contact us because we're always looking for you all right. Thanks very much, Beverly. You bet. Thank, Thank you. If you're interested in participating in one of our authorized beta programs, we've got one right now that we are currently looking for beta sites. This is a unique customer that we're looking for, but we'd love to have you check it out. If you go to our main beta page at www.novell.com beta, you will see some information for business continuity cluster version 1.1. And there's a link there that you can click on that will give you information about that beta product. And there's a short survey you can fill out to give us a little bit of information about who you are. And um, if you have any questions about it, you're welcome to contact me. And that's it for this week's show. Remember that Novell Open Audio is a production of Novell Users International in conjunction with Novell. You can leave us feedback about any of our episodes, and you can also rate any episode at www.novell.com forward slash open audio. You can also send us email for subject requests that you may have at openaudio at novell.com. Coming up next week, we have Martin Buckley giving us an, a preview of Zenworks 7 Service Pack 1. So tune in for that next week and also watch out for any announcements that Novell may be doing where we'll try to get some coverage inside of Novell Open Audio as well. Thanks a lot for listening. We'll see you next time.